Hello, I'm Nance Haxton, and this is the Griffith University podcast, A Middle Ground. A Middle Ground provides independent analysis by Australia's best political scientists and policy researchers. In this episode, the fractious relationship between Australia and China is increasingly making the headlines. The formal arrest of Australian citizen Yang Hanjun on suspicion of spying has significantly heightened those tensions in what some analysts see as a potentially defining moment in the deteriorating relationship between Canberra and Beijing. Director of the Griffith Asia Institute, Caitlin Byrne, says while the situation is serious, there is much diplomacy happening behind the scenes, the power of which should not be underestimated. So, Caitlin, China seems to have become quite a flashpoint at the moment. It's, it's quite a pivotal time, really, in Australian relations with China. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think absolutely. We're seeing the Australia-China relationship kind of hit some sticking points at the moment, but that's all set against the backdrop of, you know, changing strategic dynamics. Our region is changing and some of those changes are unprecedented. You know, we're seeing shifts in the, the distribution of power that we, we haven't seen the likes of before. And in what way? Uh, because I, I suppose I think of your other specialty as well in the Pacific and China is a big player there as well. How much of an impact is that having? It's huge. So yeah. I think, you know, really what this is all about is China's rising power as an economic force, but also increasingly assertive as a military power and seeking as any rising power does to extend its influence you know much more widely across the region we're seeing that in the Pacific at the same time we're seeing what appears to be a US that is withdrawing from its traditional position of global leadership now that's not right across the board but certainly where we've seen President Trump withdraw America from key global treaties the Paris Agreement for example you know we're really starting to see a very different uh, texture to the nature of US leadership in the region. So these factors together, as well as the rise of other powers, India is an economic powerhouse, um, Indonesia potentially by 2030 is the fourth most significant economy in our region. These are really big shifts. They're tectonic in many ways. So this is the backdrop against which we have to manage a whole lot of relationships the Australia-China relationship being a very important one within that within that broader picture. Is Australia really caught in the uh, Twitter crossfire there a bit? I mean, uh, Donald Trump's had a few tweets about China in the last week or so that definitely have raised the ire of some. Yeah, so I guess when it comes to social media, you know, you, you really have to exercise judgment in, in how closely you, you listen and follow some of the messages that come through tweets, especially from President Trump. As we know, he is, you know, an avid tweeter, uh, not always the most accurate of tweeters. And he is the master of reality TV and, and you know, spectacular and sensational news. So, look, he's he certainly gets cut through in attention from his tweets, but I think we have to dig a little bit deeper and go to where we can find official policy statements, you know, really official positions from the US and from others in how we read this landscape. Because is Australia really caught between that shift of US allegiances? I mean, do we have 
to be more mindful of our past with the US or do we need to look to the future with China or it's very complex. It's all about (laughs) balance and walking a bit of a tightrope at Mm. the moment. Yes, we do have a strong alliance with the US and that is and has been a centrepiece of Australian foreign policy. US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was out in Australia just a couple of weeks ago where that message was very much reinforced that Australia and the US are, are tightly and closely bound by their strategic alliance. But let's be realistic about Australia's position in the world and the fact that we are in the Asia-Pacific region where China is a rising power. China is one of our most, well, our most important trading partner at the moment and a significant influence in the region. So we have to be able to navigate this. It's not easy, never has been, probably is getting more and more challenging by the day. But that's where diplomacy is so important and comes into play. And, and I think at the moment, the value of our diplomacy should not be underscored in, in or should not be missed in any of this. It probably is underestimated, I suppose. People do forget because we don't see it mm. in the tweets or on the news that this diplomacy would be happening quite a lot at the moment, I imagine, with all this going on. There's a lot happening in the background. So a lot, you know, diplomacy has become, just like many other professions, much more public. And I think there's a need for general citizens, ordinary people, to know what diplomacy is all about and for more of that to come out from behind closed doors. But there is still a need for those official to official negotiations things that happen in multilateral institutions that we don't always get visibility of and things that happen bilaterally. And again, in the Australia-China relationship, there's a lot of that going on. Bit of a diplomatic dance at the moment. Indeed. And some would say, you know, it used to be more of a traditional waltz where it was very structured and people knew the steps that they needed to take. Maybe today we've gone beyond, you know, even the improvisation of jazz and we're looking more at a cha-cha-cha where we go two steps forward, one step back, uh, a couple to the side. You know, it's not predictable, it's not always clear, but, but diplomacy is about a process and a process of ongoing dialogue. So keeping it going is the key. Particularly when I think Australian citizens are caught in that, as we have seen in recent times, it seems that Australian citizens of Chinese descent are quite vulnerable at this point in time? Well, we've had the most recent incident of young Hung Jun and his arrest in China on charges of espionage. And that's really worrying. I think what we have to watch is, is is this part of a longer term trend? I don't think at the moment that we have seen enough to warrant the kinds of calls that some have made for an upgrading of, of the travel advice um, warning Australians and particularly Chinese Australians about travelling in China. I don't think we're there yet. I think we do have to keep an eye on it. And this most recent case is part of a trend that should make people very cautious about how they travel in the world. But you have to be cautious anyway, regardless of where you're going. So I think it's really about being aware of what's going on in political relationships when you're thinking about and how you think about travelling. It's a bit more of that diplomatic uh, dance that's going on, isn't it? Because has Australia been on the front foot enough, do you believe, particularly in that case? Yes, I think that we probably haven't seen as much of it in the public domain, but certainly we've seen Foreign Minister Maurice Payne make a number of statements. She's also talked about the fact that, that she has raised this issue in private meetings with China 
Ghana's foreign minister. It has been raised in correspondence. There would be a lot of diplomatic work going on in the background on this. And we have to be really mindful of what is and is not possible in um, these kinds of cases, particularly consular cases. What Australia should be doing and is doing is expressing its deep concern and disappointment with this recent arrest. And I think Maurice Payne has been very clear in stating there are absolutely no grounds for the latest espionage charges being laid against this particular individual. I think the other part of it is making sure individuals have access to legal representation, that they're treated humanely, that they have access and are being treated in consideration of human rights. So all of those things are a part of that diplomatic and consular picture. But it's very difficult for another country and indeed impossible to intervene in the legal affairs or processes of a separate jurisdiction. So we can't underplay the significance of those discussions, even though we don't hear much about them mm. in some ways. That is significant, that Maurice Payne has taken that. Those, Absolutely. That, mm. She is sending some very clear diplomatic signals and she's using language that in in cannot be misconstrued in any way. So I think she has to do that while at the same time maintaining perspective across the broad Australia-China relationship. Especially when you, as you say, the, the trade issues that are involved, the... the Billions of dollars, really. Yeah, this is really significant for Australia. It's a, 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 an incredibly important economic relationship, um, politically and for the region in terms of our broader stability and prosperity. It's important for Australia to have a strong dialogue with China and an ongoing dialogue with China. I think as well we can't forget that the people-to-people -people connections between our two nations are really rich, they're very diverse, you know, and we have ties that bind us on so many levels, whether it's city-to-city, -city, uh, institutions are connected, and of course people through diaspora communities as well. So how does this play into our relationship in the South Pacific? Is Australia losing uh, some footing there because of China? Well, I think, you know, China's involvement and in the South Pacific has really prompted Australia to think very carefully and closely about its own relationship with the Pacific. We needed to do that. And many would argue that we'd actually dropped the ball when it came to the Pacific. You know, that we kind of have this fits and starts approach and that's not really going to be good enough it's really not going to cut the mustard when it comes to ensuring that we're able to maintain strong influence in the region and partnerships with countries that we need to have partnerships with pacific island nations are really quite critical to australia's long-term security to our prosperity um, they are part of the region and i think we've the pacific step up which was particularly influenced by uh, Australia's you know, growing concern about Chinese influence in the region was long overdue. Should we be concerned that China is getting more of a foothold in some of these countries and, and, and that increasing influence that that brings? I think we've just got to be aware that international relations are always changing. The dynamics of the region are always moving. You know, we, we have to be aware and attuned to what's happening in our own region. I'm fairly, I, you might guess, I'm fairly sanguine about some of these movements in a way because this, this is the, these are the normal vicissitudes of, of the way the world works. And as long as we're aware of them, as long as we're able to kind of understand what, what our Australian diplomatic objectives and how do we prosecute them, then, you know, we just have to follow that line. I think there are lots of things to be concerned about in the world today and 
the changing dynamics of our own region play into that wider profile. Was the recent climate change uh, misstep, is that significant? Will that have ripple effects into the future? I think that it is significant. Um, some have, have talked about you know, Australia really tripping up in, in Tuvalu over climate change and over a perceived lack of understanding of the issues, the, the kind of existential threat that our Pacific neighbours are facing. I think that is an issue that, that is going to need to be taken seriously if we are to truly forge deeper relationships with those Pacific neighbours. Because I suppose it's a vulnerability of them and that's where uh, if, if other countries can come in and speak that talk a bit more clearly than Australia, that, that we could lose ground there. That's absolutely right. So I think it's really demonstrating that we understand the issues, that we're not trying to water down um, the issues. Or uh, And I think we have to be really careful about how we manage not just bilateral relationships with the Pacific, but you know how we engage with the Pacific, which has really crafted for itself a very strong collaborative approach to diplomacy. So I think we've got to be careful that we're not seen to be eroding those relationships as well um, and the strength of their voice in multilateral fora like the UN. All of that plays into this. So what's the next step forward, do you think, for the South Pacific? We uh, did an interview or a story a year, 18 months ago now when there was a significant paper put forward. Does there need to be more um, of something of that white paper distinction to, to really show Australia's commitment to the region? Or what, what do you think? I think we need to see you know real outcomes on the ground. So Australia has committed a, a great deal of... Um, funding to some significant initiatives, including climate resilient infrastructure, for example, as well as the Australia Pacific Security College, the Labor Mobility Scheme. Now, each of these initiatives are really worthwhile in and of themselves, but we need to see successes come out of those. And, and I think uh, ongoing uh, attention and visits being focused towards the Pacific so that we can demonstrate this isn't just a one-off. Thank you very much for joining us on A Middle Ground, Kate. You're very welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to be here. That was Griffith Asia Institute Director Caitlin Byrne. And that wraps up this episode of A Middle Ground. You can follow and subscribe to this Griffith University podcast on your podcast provider, iTunes or SoundCloud. SoundCloud.